Hello, and again, welcome to Bit Depth. I'm Santiago Ramones. Across from me is Dustin Ragland. How's it going? And Dylan Ragland and Ada Ragland, who are <laughs> one year old and five years old, respectively. <laughs> Bringing the whole family out here. Yep. Yep. Podcasting <laughs> family. Yeah. So I asked you to help me talk about the 12th track, really the final track for streaming. So I guess take it away with your questions or whatever. What do you got? Yeah. <laughs> so my first question would be, you know, you had mentioned that it's meant to evoke being out among stars, meant to evoke actually being in space. And one of the things for me, you know, you talked about how the melodies sort of emerge from the randomized devices that you used and things like that, that, you know, when you're, I'm always curious about, because I, I do this a lot myself uh -huh. too, I'm always curious about when you're working on something that's randomized or aleatoric or probabilistic or any of those things that we kind of throw onto some music making processes today. Like how is your, what's the intention in your process when you go into that? How much do you feel like you need to control the outcomes or how much do you really want to let almost the intelligence of the devices take over? If that makes sense. Right. So it always comes with like creating systems that allow a kind of musical process that mm you are satisfied with. And so it's like, rather than creating the music myself, I'm creating a system through which information can flow through that I will be satisfied with. Yeah. And so in this case, the limitations that I set, it's an F sharp and it's mostly a pentatonic scale. Yeah. I added the fourth fa because the four three suspension I felt was really nice. Yeah. And so the rest of it just kind of fits nicely. I intentionally chose a pentatonic scale. And so even the tension that arises from having the fourth within the scale yeah. will be fine because it's not, I mean, a major scale isn't really that tense anyways. Yeah. You can play yeah. every note together. And I guess in, in modern harmony, a major scale isn't that tense. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So some of it was the random with the arpeggiator, but some of it was also kind of a melody that I improvised, and so that's kind of a, a human random. Yeah. I don't know, I think part of the concept of embracing the random, particularly with the space piece, is that kind of the universe comes from the random, and everything that all of the planets that form, all the stars that form, all of the life that forms is kind of coming out of the random that is the universe happening and then the laws of physics and the laws of everything else allows it to kind of congeal into what becomes the things that we know them as. And so a track that intentionally is trying to evoke this feeling of space has this lead into the random because space in itself is a kind of pure random and as you get into planets and stars and systems, the randomness in a way is condensed into more complex systems. <laughs> no, that, I mean, that, you know, as I was thinking back on the track and I kept trying to think about because musically it kind of it gets more complexity as it goes and you hear all the emerging elements come out of it almost as if it's like this process of life. But those emerging elements that come out of it, even though. I might to to my ear, I'm listening to it and I'm hearing melodies and rhythms come out of it. 
Whereas it starts off with something that's far more ambient and less identifiable. It, it was more texture than it is, you know, the musical elements that are quote unquote expected or typical, and sure. it, which is true of the whole record. There are so many things that are so unique throughout and that up in your expectations, even if you think it's going to be one thing at the beginning, it shifts halfway through the, the piece into something totally different. But, mm. you know, with that particular track space, I was thinking about it and I either got the sense of being at the very beginning of the track, feeling like you're witnessing something that's blowing out all your perception. It's all much more one thing. So if you're in a supernova, you're in a bright celestial event, and then you yeah. start to back away from that. And as you back mm. away from that, what you start to discover when you see not only that single celestial event, but all the things that surround it and all of the, the context for that. And two, like, it's interesting that you mentioned, you know, setting the rules for the randomness and doing those things with intention. That's always uh, the thing that can kind of get misunderstood when it comes to, oh, you just turn stuff on and let it go. You know, that's sort of approach sure. to, to aleatory music. But, the, you know, the thing about it and, and the meaning making out of it, you know, and thinking about, like you're saying, the laws of physics and how stuff emerges in simplicity and complexity, to, to say it very, very obliquely or simply, you know, I think about how when we looked at the randomness of stars in terms of humanity looking up and being able to start to see more and more of the firmament, mm -hmm. the, the initial thing was to try and make patterns out of it. The initial thing was to try and make things that we recognized. And it, I'm always curious as to how people are going to respond to that when they hear your pieces. And when you're in that environment, when you're listening together, even the, similar to the thing we did with, with David Broyles, where we had that listening party mm -hmm. and the songwriter at ACM, everybody's pieces were so unique and different. And I was always curious as to how other composers and just how other people who might've been attending approach music that has less of those things like hooks. We call it a hook because it's, you know, it's sure. hooking you into something. And, you know, if we don't provide that hook, how does somebody then get drawn into the piece and make those patterns? Do you find yourself experiencing that with other people's music or even your own when you go back to listen to it? Like, you listen to it with a certain kind of pattern making, I guess. Yeah. I, I feel like it depends on it, in a weird way. It goes down to like what music is trying to do. Like, yeah. I feel like music is at its very core. It's sound with intent. And that intent is something that you're trying to communicate that every creator is trying to communicate in some way. Yeah. And so when in a weird way, as we're trying to interpret music, as we're trying to understand music, part of that is just trying to decipher the intent of the creator. And then at some point, the point of the composer falls away and we sort of create our own meaning for ourselves. The more that we associate ourselves with the piece. And yeah. so there are there's music that we listen to that makes us feel nostalgic and that has less to do with the creator <laughs> and the intent of the creator and more to do with our own experience with it. Yeah. But at the very beginning of it, we are kind of trying to decipher what the composer or what the creator is trying to say. And so with with more abstract music, the intent is a little bit more difficult to decipher because there's less, 
I guess, common understanding about the tropes of that. Yeah. Whenever you listen to a pop song, you know that there's a verse and a chorus. Yeah. Whenever you listen to classical music, you know that there's going to be melody and harmony. And so once we kind of start breaking out into mm. the more experimental side and the more newer side of music, we start trying to find ways of sharing different ways of communication. And so how is distortion creating a an emotion or evoking something? How is yeah. the vastness of something like this piece evoking that sort of emotion? And so I feel like, at least for me, a lot of the time, a, a piece of music is successful whenever it succeeds at communicating its intent. Yeah. And so I always listen for the things that, oh, the theme of this piece or this song leans into this thing and the way that this sound has a sort of characteristic that further drives the theme of what is being said. Yeah. And so at least with this piece, a lot of the decisions, again, like the randomness to begin with, but then also the the choice of the chords, the the systems that I did set in place. And so it's pretty basic chords. It's one, six, four, four, three suspension into back to one. And so it's a fairly common as from where we are in music now, yeah. it's a fairly common progression. And that was that was intentional to make it comfortable in that sense. Mm. Uh, we're not lost in space or abandoned in space, but we're enjoying yeah. space. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the that's the other thing is you could go with constellations or you could go with void. Or, and Beck and I have been uh, I've been rewatching, but it's Becca's first time to watch The Expanse. And uh, for mm. her, it's, it's just really interesting. To encounter space things that are like, oh, this is kind of like a dark view of space. I'm like, But, you know, com with a lot of what's going on right now, it, it definitely feels like it feels more relevant, more accurate, you know, in some sense. You know, even thinking about the constellation idea, how much do you want to communicate to potential listeners? You know, when part of what makes constellations so interesting is that it feels like it's discovered. It's something that's very intentionally having meaning imposed on it. And everybody knows it's like, oh, yeah, it's not actually a bear in space. I say that not going that, you know, an initial, you know, person who names a constellation is thinking, oh, yeah, this is a literal animal in space. But rather, I've encountered this animal so much in my daily life. And it carries some imagination for me, whether that's danger, whether it's food, whether it's something that or just love or interest in that particular you know, kind of animal or person or figure. And you know, so when you name a constellation, like you were talking about, it carries the meaning of how you place that music in a context. You know, for example, I listen to a song when I'm riding a subway in New York and it has all this meaning to me because it's got that memory to it. Mm -hmm. But when you're providing, you know, new music for folks that, you know, you have really a lot of depth of intention and story and narrative behind what's there. How do you want to approach for this record and maybe just in general, how to balance telling people how to encounter it with maybe how much freedom you'd want them to have in encountering it. That's actually really good for like, it's a great question for the album because it is an ambient album, which kind of means that it's intent is to be in the background. And so whenever you listen to it, you can have it on and be doing something else and not be paying attention to it. But then the other part is that I do try to walk that line 
where if you are paying attention and you're giving it your full attention, there's at least something there to keep you around. And the ideas that are given by the song titles or if you buy it, the images that are associated with each track or the paragraphs that also come in the bonus content, that there's way more meaning to be imbued into it. But in that same way, I'm sort of giving broad strokes as to what these pieces might mean to someone. And then, like you said, if you listen to a piece of music while on the subway, you create new memories with that piece. And so in a way, it's like you can try to interpret what I'm trying to say with the piece. And at least the things that I'm trying to say aren't so deep that there's only one answer that can come out of it, but that as you continue to absorb the album and continue to have experiences as you have this album on in the background, you can associate your own memories and associate your own interpretations of what the music might mean to you. And so as a background, it actually can apply to anyone's life, but then as a solid piece by itself, it still has its own meaning. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that's so when it comes to the images and things like that that are involved, did the images kind of come post hoc from the recording process or they inform that? Did they inform composition? Or is there more something that came after the fact? So all of them began as just numbered pieces, ambient one, ambient two, ambient three. And then later, as I kind of compiled the album, I gave song titles. And some of them had parenthetical song titles anyways. And this one actually had like space drone <laughs> because that was the initial intent as I was making it. And so yeah. this one is is one of the outliers in that it already had a title. It already had a goal for what it was going for. But then as I was putting the album together, the images I gathered and the titles I assigned later and the paragraphs associated with it. And the funny thing about it too, is that having, having started this in 2013 was so long ago for me as a creator that I, in all my years of absorbing the creation that has already been completed, I've been able to, in the same way that we were just talking about, give way more meaning than was even initially there whenever I created it. And so there's a lot more memories associated with each track, even though I didn't actually add anything more to them. But they mean so much more to me year to year as they go on. (laughs) Yeah, man, that yeah, that makes total sense. <laughs> and and sometimes I I look back and give more meaning to certain decisions or give certain parts of the piece a story in a way that wasn't initially there whenever I made it, but it feels like there's a story there to me because of how I continued to interpret my own thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And that's a great point. I mean, and that's a really, it's a, it's cool to encourage listeners in that way that a composer is still interpreting their own work too continually. And 
I, I used to, I came from the background of like, I always wanted to know exactly what the artist intent was. I want to know what the songwriter meant because I felt like that was the way to really truly understand a song. So if a song was kind of opaque and I related to the lyrics really specifically in my own life, but it wasn't the case for the songwriter, I would sort of go with what the songwriter would say rather than <laughs> my own interpretation of it. But as I got older, it's much, it's gone in the opposite direction where it's, I would hope to create things that other people would create, would relate to in ways that were completely different than what I would have, or that was even my literal intent. And yeah. that, that makes it stronger kind of to do that, if that makes sense, you know? Yeah. And in a way, just kind of always allowing that freedom to happen that in a way, once you put something out, it is no longer yours as the creator and now it's up to the audience to decide what it means to them and interpret what everything is to them. And so they can still refer to the creator, but then, you know, at some point, like, there's always going to be more memories associated the more people that listen to it than the artist can truly say after the yeah. fact. <laughs> yeah, and that's, I mean, and that's crazy. I mean, yeah, that, and that gets even back to the space image where, I mean, we know kind of the raw components through physics of what space is going to be, at least to some degree. I mean, there's mm. there's a lot of, it's hard to understand. I mean, the more that I would look into things of like the universe's edges and the expansion of the universe and what that means in terms of expansion of everything growing further apart from one another mm. in every direction that we can. And not to mention getting into like the advanced physics of like, uh, you know, talking about multiverses and the way that we even perceive reality, like down mm -hmm. to the, the daily stuff. And that's not even space level, but where space and time collide as a concept and where there are things at the edges of physics that uh, after a while of talking about them, they just become more and more spooky rather than <laughs> revealing less mystery. They just reveal more and more mystery. And right. it always takes me back to with music of why, you know, I, and again, when I say it, it sounds pretentious or high concept, but for at least for a music maker, at least for myself, and I, I would hope for a lot of music makers, when when you're thinking of something that you can only express through means that aren't aren't language, or they are not just merely a language like we would say a word to another. Music does have obviously language elements, but you're trying to express something that does involve the senses in a way that's not the same as explaining and there's a sense of experiencing space that I'm curious, like, you know, way in the future when generations are in the midst of space, we'll probably lose that. Assuming, assuming, you know, <laughs> humanity makes it to that. We'll probably lose sure. that sense of, Oh yeah, this is, this is the stuff that's at the edge of our reality. And mm. at times with music that occurs and that's time when I get burned out in composition or performance, it's like, I just start to think that I could explain everything that I'm doing versus letting it be something that does have edges to it that I can't explain and that I could come back to, like you're mentioning, you know, seven years later with new perceptions. So, yeah. Well, thank you so much. And thank you, obviously, also for like the album master. Oh my and gosh. No, everything. I mean, yeah. <laughs> like I mentioned, it's an honor to, to, to work on something with that much intent and that much thoughtfulness, there's a lot of great music that's made. There's a lot of stuff that's technically really interesting, a lot of stuff that's made by friends, but your project has a lot of the things that really make music special to me. And just that there's a lot of depth behind every single sound and process, even if it didn't feel like it at the time, that stuff really comes across well. So I'm really excited for people to hear it. I think that's going to be special. So, Well, thank you.
And now here's space in its entirety.
You can find everything that I do on my website, SantiagoRamones.com. I make music. Bloom will be available on August 8th, streaming everywhere. Put it on in the background, put it on your workout playlist, show it to your friends so you can all enjoy it together. You can also buy the thing and get bonus content to get a bit deep into the emotions you can feel with it. I also make music with PowerCycle, an experimental electronic trio. Our first completely improvised album, Too Many Damn Cables, is streaming everywhere. More to come from PowerCycle in the future. To support this podcast, leave reviews, comments, tell your friends about it, and buy my music, because by supporting me, you're supporting the podcast. I always end the podcast with my three things. They shape my life philosophy. Those three things are love never fails, it's going to be okay, I might be wrong.